Well, good morning and hi, church. It's good to be with you. What an honor to get to be a part of this incredibly powerful message series, all about letting God redeem your past and rewrite your story. Man, I tell you, that is something, even coming off of that worship set, as we just commit ourselves to saying, God, here I am. I'm available. I want to be used by you. And, you know, I was, it's, it's actually interesting. Today, we're going to be looking in this, this principle of how failure in our lives doesn't have to be the final chapter. That failure really can be something that we look at and we see God work through in a powerful way to bring about his purposes. But that can be such a challenging thing to really let God redeem our past, to rewrite our story because there's a real enemy and there's a real struggle sometimes in our hearts to trust God with our failures, to be able to really let go of holding on to those failures. But I remember just a couple of weeks ago, I actually, from, if we're gonna get what we really need to get, I think from God's word today, it's gonna start by first and foremost, being able to just be real with each other. And I was sharing with my mentor about a week and a half ago that one of the things that I struggle with is just being authentic with people. And the reason I struggle with being authentic, what I'm talking about is, is that I like people to see me the way that I want them to see me. I like to put myself out there. I like to protect my failures and my mistakes and try to keep them as close to the vest as possible so that I can continue to project myself in such a way where people will see me as being wise or, or pure or uh, these things that I want people to, to look at me and feel like because that's what I, the role that I have as, as being the pastor of their kids or being a pastor in their life that I want them to perceive me in a certain way. And therefore, when it comes to my failures, one of the things that's the hardest for me to do is to give people, to give God, and to give myself the opportunity to either receive grace or to experience grace because I just hold it in. I don't know if you're anything like that, but I know it can be hard to just be real, to be authentic about our failures. And failure is something that I am no stranger to. Um, there's been lots of failures in my life when it comes to sin struggles, temptations, and financial decisions. In fact, I can remember one time uh, when I was 21 years old, one thing happened uh, to a distant relative. He passed away. And for some reason, from the gracious kindness of his heart, he had decided to leave a portion of his inheritance to me. I didn't even know if I had ever met him before. Now, it wasn't like a grand inheritance, but it was enough where I could have put some away for uh, a couple years of college that I was right in the middle of, right? You could make an investment with that money to, and to be able to have a down payment for a future home and maybe pay for college for future kids, which were all things and dreams that I had in my heart. There are tons of wise financial decisions I could have done with this very gracious gift that was given to me. But I spent it on a truck. <laughs> it, it seemed like the right thing to do at the time. I was 21, I was single. Now know this, I received all of the right wisdom from my dad about what I could do and probably should do with that money. But when I told my dad that I wanted a truck, he looked at me and, I, and he shared all the things with me when I said, I just, you know, but I, I haven't had a vehicle that really runs and works and, and now I have this capacity that I actually have some money in my bank account that's free and clear and I know I didn't earn it or deserve it, but... I want a truck. And my dad said, he looked at me with a smile. It was one of those smiles that I can look back now and be like, okay, it's your money, but you'll see, you'll learn. So we went to the dealership and we bought that truck. And can I tell you something? Something crazy happened that I didn't expect. 
don't know if you ever had an inheritance or you've ever uh, had a job that allowed you to be able to maybe have some finances that you weren't used to have growing up. But when I bought that truck and I drove it off the dealership's parking lot, something very strange happened in my heart. I was terrified. I was scared to death to drive it. I was scared to death to let people in it. I felt like everything that I was doing was there was this constant, just all of a sudden this barragement of thoughts that I have of you're such a foolish boy. You've wasted your money. As soon as you drove it off the parking lot, it depreciated thousands of dollars. You've already thrown away money. People are looking at you who know the kind of life that you live and they're gonna look at you and they're gonna say, who is he to be able to have a vehicle that nice? And I could, I could hear it. It's like I, I was putting thoughts in the drivers who were coming by or when I pulled into a parking lot and I got out of it, I got out of it sheepishly as if I was getting out of something that wasn't even really mine. I was so nervous about having a vehicle that was nice and doing something stupid with it, not realizing I had to do this and making some sort of mistake that people would just laugh and be like, see, told you, there's that guy, what a waste. I was terrified of this thing that was 100% mine paid for free and clear. And yet, even though I owned it, it was like I didn't, I was terrified of it. And in many ways, what's interesting is, I feel like the Lord showed me this week, is I feel like that's exactly what we do with his grace. It's something that is completely ours, free and clear. And yet on some level, even though we have it, we are ownership of God's grace, having been set free from our sins and the requirements of the law, that on some level, it's like receiving something that's too good for us. And we don't know what to do with it. We, we accept it, we can speak about it, but to really take ownership of it, to not allow people to look into our lives and say, well, but you're not good enough for it. We struggle actually accepting it, really owning it, can be a real challenge, can't it? And that's really exactly where we're going in God's word today. And so I'm praying that as we go through God's word today, that collectively as a church, we'll be able to look at grace and we'll be able to say, that's mine. It's 100% mine. I didn't earn it, I didn't deserve it, but it doesn't change the fact that it's mine. And God wants me to enjoy it, to really live in it and take ownership of it. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word as we look at a really powerful passage of grace? And let me just pause a moment to say, welcome to all of you who are worshiping with us online. We love you. We sense and feel your presence. And we are so excited that we get to be connected to you. To all of you who are worshiping with us in Atascacita and at North Point, man, we feel your presence. We love you and are so thankful for the way that God is using you in your communities. But let's look at what this passage is and what Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus, he was speaking into a culture that was very familiar with laws and or lawlessness and speaking into their lives the reminder of the gift of what grace really is. It says this in Ephesians 2, eight through 10. God saved you by his grace when you believed. That's all it took believing that Jesus Christ was your Lord and Savior and you were saved by grace. And you can't take credit for this. <laughs> it is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. 
There is so much power in this passage. Let's pray about it and go over it together. God, we love you. Thank you for the gift of your grace. God, from the place of most sincere humility that I can muster up, I know that I'm not doing a good job of truly accepting what Christ did for me on the cross. Help me to own it better. Help me to receive it, to truly receive it, to live in it, to take ownership of this very gracious gift. We love you, God. We wanna show you that we love you by taking ownership of the great gift of grace that you've put in our lives. We thank you, it's in your son's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. What a powerful passage, some things in here to think about. A reminder of that we were saved by his grace. And I love that part in the passage when it says that salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. In other words, your right standing with God can never be about what you have done or what you didn't do. It is all about what Christ has already done for you. In other words, your connectedness to God and therefore your connectedness to the church is no longer about the past decisions that you've made. You aren't liked and or loved, or at least shouldn't be because of things that you've done. It's because of who you are. You're a child of God. You're a prince or a princess of the universe. You are loved because you are. And what does it look like to really take ownership of that and be able to let go, therefore, of any kind of weight that you put upon yourself or that the world puts upon you because of right or wrong decisions that you've made? I love that part in the passage too when it says, it's nothing that we can boast about. And then it says this, for we are God's masterpiece. When I think masterpiece, I think of a piece of art, right? Of, of an artwork of, by one of the great masters of artistry who took their time, who were known for whether it was their brush strokes or their professionalism or whatever it was, their impressionism and, and just this beautiful art piece that they were working together. And on some level, if we are going to be God's masterpiece to the world, just like when you look at a, a piece of art that maybe has connected with you and you say, wow, that is incredible, that God says he wants the world to look at your life, the way that you're able to embrace grace, complete forgiveness and freedom from the things that you've done, that he wants the world to be able to look at you, your ownership of grace and say, wow, that is a masterpiece. And if, you, if we don't learn to really lay hold of grace, to stop making our connection with God and with each other about what we've done and instead based upon who we are, then we are blurring and if you will, putting fog and a mist over the masterpiece of people being able to see clearly what God has really done for you. And if you don't lay hold of that, then you're gonna miss out on the opportunity to do what it says in that last part of the verse, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has good things for you to do in your life that the enemy wants you to have no part of. So what is he gonna do? He's gonna use guilt. He's gonna use shame from past decisions. He's gonna to try to continue to hold you under, to subdue you by guilt and shame that when the Lord puts a calling on your life to be the masterpiece that he's called you to be, to be loving and to step into someone's life, to step into a business moment or opportunity, to step into a financial investment or trust or faith step with God, that as you begin to do that, all of a sudden here comes the weight of that decision that you made in the past. It's like, oh, I messed up in that place, that area of my life. 
I fell into temptation in that area of my life. I messed up my marriage when I said this thing or did this thing. And so now, as I begin to try to step into the good works that God planned for me before he laid the foundations of the earth, I feel compelled to put the brakes on because what if I mess up? What if I do it again? And God says, stop worrying about what you've done. It's been paid for. I want the world to see who you are today in spite of all those things because you are my masterpiece, a work in progress. It's time to step out and to step into what God has for your life. You're under grace, not under the law. It's time to take ownership of it. And that's why point number one I wanna kind of challenge you with is this, stop holding on to guilt. The enemy wants to use it to destroy your life. We get an early glimpse of that in the book of Genesis and the story of Cain and Abel. Now, if you're not familiar with scripture, the story of Cain and Abel is a very popular story throughout scripture or throughout kind of the, the church world of these two brothers. And the story doesn't end real well, but this is, there's Adam and Eve and their two kids, Cain and Abel. And we pick up with this story in Genesis chapter four, two brothers who brought a gift to the Lord. This is what it says in Genesis chapter four. It says, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. I don't really know what to say about that except for the fact that it's just kind of weird. He presented some of his crops. Like, I don't, it doesn't seem like there's much passion behind what he was doing. I know there's something there that I think begins to become more clear as to how the author describes what Abel brought. Look at what it says in the next verse. It says, Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. <laughs> the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. Naturally, this made Cain very angry and he looked dejected, downcast. His countenance dropped. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. This is one of my favorite verses. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you but you must subdue it and be its master. I'd love to tell you that Cain right there stopped, heard what the Lord said and said, you know what, God, you're right. When I brought my offering to you, I just brought some of my fruit out of obligation. I didn't want to because I worked hard for it. I got that. I didn't really care about our relationship or what it would mean to you. I just brought some of my stuff and you called me out on it. Thank you. Thanks for fighting for my heart. God, I'm sorry. I'm checking my heart right now. I'm getting right with you. I'm gonna ask for my brother's forgiveness and for your forgiveness. And God, I can't wait to see what you have for us tomorrow. My heart's right. If you know the story of Cain and Abel, that's not what happened. The very next verse, Cain says to his brother Abel as he passes by, as that anger just resides in his heart because of the decision that he made and him not being able to let go of it. How can Abel be accepted and I'm not? And he's holding on to that. And he says, hey, Abel, why don't we go out into the field together? And there he slays his brother, kills him with a rock. Because why? Because he couldn't get his heart right. I think there's an awesome challenge that we have in this scripture when God says, you need to be aware. If you continue to hold on to the shame and to the guilt of a past decision or choice, then know that the enemy wants to use it to control you. That's the end game. 
to get you to stop, to get you to move and to do what he wants you to do by constantly paralyzing you with fear that you'll repeat the same mistake, that people will think this about you or God will think this about you or you can't come to church with your head lifted up unless you do this the right way. If people knew that about you, this is what they would think about you and you would lose all these things. He uses it to control you. But then he challenges Cain. He says, but you must subdue it and be its master. How do we do that though? good news in Romans 6, 14, it says this. Paul spoke to the church of Rome. He says, sin is no longer your master for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. How do we beat sin back? How do we be able to uh, conquer sin and no longer let it be our master? It is only by claiming the free gift of God, grace. In other words, it's no longer about what you do. It's about who you are. You're a child of God because you've earned it or deserved it. No, because you simply believed that what Jesus did for you on the cross was enough. It's been paid for. To tell us die, as Jesus said, paid in full. So don't pay for what has been paid for. Walk on in what God's given you and stop beating yourself up. It's what we wanna do, right? We wanna just beat ourselves up. I can't believe I made that stupid financial decision. I can't believe I said that thing to my spouse. I can't believe that I said those things to my kids or I said those things to my parents. I can't believe that I made that decision. I can't believe I gave into that temptation. I can't believe that I continue to struggle with that addiction. I can't believe it. Oh, why do I do that? But beating yourself up only robs you from being healthy enough to help those that you have hurt. Stop beating yourself up. It does no one any good. God wants to use you. He wants to take that failure that you're so convinced is gonna destroy your life and he wants to use it to show the world that you're his masterpiece. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God still has good things for you to walk in that he planned for you to walk in before he laid the foundations of the earth. So stop letting your past sins control you and take ownership of the grace that was purchased for you by the blood of Jesus on the cross. It's been paid for. You're free. And whom the son has set free is free indeed. Let it go. Let it go. But there's a difference between letting it go and giving up. Letting it go is about surrendering control. God, I get it. I'm not in control. If I wanna have a right relationship with you, I need to put my trust in you. I'm letting go. I'm giving you control. Giving up is about pouting or going into self-pity because you realize you're not in control. Don't give up. Just put your trust in God. Stop holding on to guilt and lay hold of what is yours. Then secondly, stop running away from problems. Don't run away from your, don't hold on to your guilt and don't run away. Not running away from your guilt means this. This is the challenge that I have for you. Get your heart right. Stop and check your heart. I say that all the time. When, when my boys get into a fight, one of them pushes the game too far or they get into a wrestling match and someone hurts the other one and you can see that. Have you ever seen that on your kids' faces of where it's like everything was playful and then it was just, and their face becomes distorted? As a parent, I've learned that in that moment that if I can just interject just for a moment and say, hey, check your heart. And in that moment, if they can just get past the anger that's clouding their mind and be able to stop and think, they're able to realize the potential consequences that will come from living in that anger. I'm challenging you with the same word. Whatever's been going on in your life, whatever past decisions there are that the enemy's trying to use to control you, check your heart. 
Get it right. Don't you know that if you do what is right, right now, that God wants to bless your life? Stop letting the enemy control you with what has been and realize that God has good things for you moving forward. Check your heart. Let go and stop running away from your problems. There's another great story in scripture, the story of Jonah. And the story of Jonah, uh, if you haven't heard it, it's Jonah and the whale. It's the idea of this guy who hears a word from the Lord (laughs) to go and minister and to bring a prophecy to the people of Nineveh, the Assyrians. Jonah and his people did not have a great history with the Assyrians. So when God told him to go to the Assyrians, Jonah was like, I don't wanna do that. I've got bitterness, I've got anger built up to the Assyrians. That is one place I don't wanna go. So Jonah packed up his things and decided to go the opposite direction. He began to run from the purpose that God had in his life. But God loved Jonah. And because he loved Jonah, he met Jonah when he was going the opposite direction with a storm. Saying, Jonah, that's not where your purpose is. That's not where fulfillment's gonna come from. And so the storm raised, was, was, there was a giant storm. The sailors on the boat that were pagans all began to pray to their gods. They w- woke up Jonah from the bottom of the boat saying, hey, you need to wake up and you need to pray to your God. Maybe it's your God. And so they began to roll dice on the boat to be like, okay, whoever, whoever has the unlucky number, right? They pass out numbers, whoever the number adds up to or whatever it was, I don't know what game they played, but if the number falls upon you, we're gonna know it's your fault. And so of course, these pagans start rolling dice and the numbers as God would have it fall right to Jonah. And all the sailors looked at Jonah and say, what have you done to bring this storm upon us? And Jonah's like, there's no way the dice could have done that. At that point, Jonah's heart changes and he says, I know it's me. I know we're in the place that I am because of the choices that I've made. And Jonah said, it's time for me to stop running. If you want the storm to stop, you gotta throw me overboard. Now, I don't know whether Jonah was letting go or whether he was giving up. I don't know. The sailors tried to row harder against the storm on behalf of Jonah. (laughs) Don't try to row harder against God's plan and purpose for your life. God loves you. He wants you to be his masterpiece. Stop fighting against the good works that he planned for you. That's where fulfillment is. Eventually the storm didn't stop. The boat was coming under and the sailors prayed to Jonah's God and said, God, please don't discipline us for this. He told us this is what we had to do. And they threw Jonah over the ship. Now, if you know the story, (laughs) a giant fish comes and swallows Jonah. And then we get a look in Jonah chapter two at Jonah's prayer while he's in the belly of the fish. (laughs) It's a great prayer. Read with me a little bit of it here in, in Jonah chapter two. It says this, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths and I sank down to the heart of the sea. Can't you just see him sinking? The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. As my life was slipping away, as he believed it was all over, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. (laughs) Those who worship false gods, turn their backs on all God's mercies. Why would you ever do that, he says. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise and I will fulfill all my vows for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. 
once Jonah got his heart right, once Jonah began to realize that key part of that last part that he says, I began to realize that salvation can only come from the Lord. Me being right with God, it comes from stop running from my problems and trusting that God is gonna do what only God can do. Don't you understand that God wants to bring salvation to the thing that you feel like is lost? God wants to show you that he still has a good plan for your life. God wants to work a miracle in your finances. God wants to work a miracle in your marriage. God wants to work a relationship with you, a miracle in your relationship with you and your kids. God's got miracles ahead of you. But what you may be thinking is that you're trying to hold on to your own salvation saying, I believe that this is supposed to happen this way. When Jonah got thrown over, do you think that he knew that a fish was gonna swallow him? that his salvation would come from being in the belly of the fish, man, he probably had no idea. And I'm telling you, whatever salvation looks like for in your life, you may have a predetermined thought as to how God wants to save you, but you need to leave the saving up to him. And we just need to get our hearts right and put our trust in him. Humble yourself. I don't know what is gonna happen in your marriage. I don't know exactly what's gonna happen in your relationship with your teenager, but I do know this. God has good works that he's called you to walk in. And until you let go of your guilt and stop running from your problems and say, God, I'm gonna trust you with my marriage. I give you control. I'm letting go. I'm only gonna focus on learning to love the person in front of me the way that you show me to today. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna enjoy the grace and forgiveness that you've given me and start living from today and not letting my past determine my steps. I'm gonna let you determine my steps. Would you bow with me in prayer just right here, right now? And I wanna challenge you to make this be your own moment in the belly of the fish where you look within your own heart and if you've been running from your problems, if you've been running from the heartache in your relationship, in your marriage, or with your kids, you've been trying to claim and lay hold of your own salvation, I challenge you right here and right now to first of all, humble yourself and say, God, I accept your grace. I receive your forgiveness. And God, I choose to accept that salvation is only from you. God, only you can turn around my marriage. Only you can turn around the heart of my stubborn teenager. God, only you can help me to make wise financial decisions from this point forward. Only you. And so first of all, just humble yourself. Confess that sin to the God of, of holding on to that guilt, saying, God, I know that what I did was wrong, but I receive your forgiveness. And I choose to accept your salvation, whatever that looks like. I'm done being in control. You may not fill my bank account back up. You may not cause my wife to immediately look at me the way that she used to. But I choose to let go of trying to control that. And I choose just to receive your grace, to recognize that I'm right with you, not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. I give salvation to you. And as you pray, be encouraged by this verse in James 4, 6, and he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If it's lust that you've been battling, something to do with pornography or an affair in your past or whatever it may be, you can't go back into the past and fix it, but you can receive God's grace today and you can choose to honor and trust in the Lord today with your choices. Maybe it's an addiction and you're so afraid about what people around in the church might think. Stop that. It's been paid for. 
Look into that addiction and understand this about it. Whether you continue in that addiction or not, you are forgiven, you're free. The addiction isn't what defines you. God's love for your life is what defines you. You're forgiven. Maybe it's anger, an outburst of anger that you spoke into some relationship that has broken down and fallen apart because of some words that you spoke. Forgive yourself, receive God's grace. He just loves you for who you are. It's been paid for. You can't go back and change it, but it doesn't change the fact that God has a great plan and a purpose for your life moving forward. Let it go. Turn salvation in that relationship over to him. Maybe it was laziness, corruption, a decision that lacked integrity that you're beating yourself up for. Maybe it was a lie that you brought it into a relationship or gossip, you opened your mouth and spoke some things that you wish you wouldn't have about someone else. Maybe it was a crime that you still feel like you're bearing the consequences of, that you got caught for, and you feel like people are just constantly judging you for and turning against this. Well, know that this is God's word for you. You are mine, you are whole, you are pure, you are blameless, you are right with me because it's not about what you've done, it's about what my son did for you. Stop running from your problems and trust them to me. Salvation is coming, but it's not gonna look like what you expect. Put your trust in me. Would you let it go this morning? Would you release it to him? Let that bitterness, let that anger stop beating yourself up and let God rescue you the way only God can. Only God could send a giant fish to humble a prophet. God wants to bring salvation to your life too but you have to trust it to him. Receive his grace and trust his salvation. God, we love you. We wanna to continue to live a life that honors you. Thank you, it's in your son's name we pray, amen. Man, stop running away from your problems and start living in forgiveness. That's where it's at. You're forgiven. Listen to what it says in Romans 4, 7 through 8. It says this, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Have you ever tried to do that? You think about that decision that you've made, that you hurt someone in the past, or that you compromised your integrity because you did this thing in your past you wish you wouldn't have done. And on some level, you just wish you could get an eraser out and go back in time and just make everyone forget about that thing that you did. Well, I just wish it was cleared and gone so that I wouldn't have to look at myself the way that I do, so that people wouldn't look at me the way that I feel like they do. I just wish I could do this. And God says, guess what, done. In my heart, in our relationship, done. It's been paid for. It's as far as the east is from the west. It's been blotted out. It's been erased. When I look at you, I don't see your sin. I don't see your shame. I don't see your guilt. I don't see that lust. I don't see that addiction. I see my child who I love. You belong to me. And I just want you to come into my presence anytime, no matter what you're carrying, no matter what you're bearing, no matter what decision you make today or tomorrow or the day after or 10 years ago, you're mine and I love you. Get in here. Get into the throne room of God. Come into the Holy of Holies. You aren't here because you've earned it. You're here because my son has paid for it. You're mine. Stop carrying that. It's 100% yours. Woo, I loved that truck. Yeet! It was a red 2004 Ford F-150 right when they got the new body style. 
I got a two inch lift, so it just brought the nose up and made it look mean. Got a billet grill, a little bull bar on the front with two KC lights in it, a sunroof, sport package, red turno cover that matched the paint, spray in bed liner, wheels that were just big enough that they didn't rub the fenders when you turned, big old off-road tires. Whoa, man, that was a good truck. Over time, I learned to really enjoy it, to invite people in to be a part of it and just started to drive it and enjoy it. It was 100% mine. It took me a while to really accept and embrace the fact that this was truly a free gift from a relative I'd never even met, but it was mine. Grace is 100% yours. Driving it, put the pedal to the metal and get in God's grace. It's 100% yours. Hit the open road, roll the windows down, blare the music. God says you're mine and don't let the world tell you otherwise. Stop letting what they're thinking or letting the enemy tell you what they're thinking keep you from the good works that I have for you. Get on the road and go to the next destination that I have for you. God's got good grace for you and it's yours to enjoy and it is far better than anything that we could ever purchase or own or deserve on our own. That's the point. He's your master, he's, you're his masterpiece and he wants you to see and he wants the world to see what grace looks like in someone who doesn't deserve it. The worst that you've done, guess what? The Bible says that you, if you sin all the more, grace abounds that much better. The bigger sin that you've committed, the more that we see the power of what God's grace can do in a life. You are a masterpiece. So stop holding your head low and start picking up your head and remembering that you're in a beautiful, incredible vehicle called grace and enjoy it. Now, I loved that truck. I enjoyed it. I understood that it was a gracious gift and I had to learn to enjoy it. But you know what? Just because it was free and it was mine, (laughs) I also had just enough wisdom as a 21 year old to realize that that didn't mean I needed to prove that it was mine by running it into a tree. Just so I could say, I can do that because I wanted to. It's mine. Grace is 100% yours. You also didn't need to keep running it into a tree just to prove that it'll outdo your sin. Bible says, don't use the gracious gift of God to satisfy your sinful nature. Then you're just giving the enemy the opportunity to come and attack you all over again. Can you? Could I have run it into a tree? Sure, it's mine. Was there wisdom in that? No. Enjoy it. It's all yours. You don't have to fear. If you end up running into a tree, it's still 100% yours. There's 100% grace. It's all yours. If you sin again tomorrow, guess what? It's still there. It's still forgiven. It's still paid for. You slip back into that addiction tomorrow, God says, you're still mine. It's been cleared of the records, not just what has been, but don't you get this? When I get my eraser out, it is so perfect in your life that it doesn't just erase what you have done. It erases every wrong decision you ever will make. It's already been paid for. Get out and drive. Enjoy it. It's 100% yours choose to live in that grace. Let's pray. God, we love you. And we want to live and we want to ride in the grace that you've brought into our life. Help us to put our trust in the only salvation that is worthy. Yours. We love you. Help us to get our hearts right, to stop holding on to guilt, stop running from our problems, and to start living 
and owning the grace and the forgiveness that is ours because of Jesus. We receive it. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. Hey, this is the time of our service where we also give back to God from our tithes and our offerings. Because we have to? Mm -mm. Because we love him. Not like Cain. We don't bring our gifts like, like Cain and say, well, here's some of it because I have to because I'm a part of a church. No, we give like Abel did. We give of our best, not out of obligation, but because we know that we choose to live a life that's connected to the Lord first and foremost. So I encourage you to give. You can give online. Maybe you already have. You've already set up recurring giving online. That's a great way to do it. Just go to wc.org give. Set up recurring. Keep God as first in your life. Give him your first and your best. You can also give right now. Haven't set that up before? It's super easy. You can just get your phone out and text the number 77977. Text the word give WC, all one word. You'll get a text message right back and you can begin to make an investment into that connected relationship with God. You wanna mail in a check? Great. One Fellowship Drive, the Woodlands, Texas, 77384. Or drop it off at one of our generosity boxes on your way out. But don't miss being a part of being connected to God and to his church because that's where fulfillment comes from. You got something else you wanna give? I don't know, I got this thing, I've got some assets or stocks, great, call up here at the church, we'll help you, we'll figure it out with you. But don't miss the opportunity to be connected. Don't miss the chance to let the light in. Let God's glory into your life all the way in, 100%. Because God wants to show the world that you're his masterpiece. And he wants you to walk in the good works that he laid out for you before he laid the very foundations of the earth. He says, I've got a plan for you, for you, for you, for you, for you. So stop beating yourself up. Lay hold of my gracious gift get in that front seat and drive. And don't let anybody make you feel guilty of what I have decided to give you. I love you, church. God, we thank you so much for the gracious opportunity that we have to give back to you. We give not out of obligation, but out of inspiration that comes from your love that you shared us with us first. We love you because you first loved us. Therefore, God, we choose to let the light in, let you all the way in, every aspect of our heart and every aspect of our life. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.